0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Pure Waffle with me, David Casey.
1: And me, Gwen Roberts. And today we're joined by the man who's got more man than matches for DCP, than Ethan Curtis got goals, Tom Burton. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, I guess we're going to start with a classic. Straight top into four. it. Yeah, it's four. Chamber's question pizza toppings. Right, on pizza. It. Number one, it's got to be chicken. That I, love, is a, that I, I agree, like agree with that. My pizza, totally especially with when
2: that. it's uh, like a spicy one as well, or like with spicy sauce. Uh, number two, I'm going to go bacon. I just like bacon is all around, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner just works. Uh number three, and this isn't really like this sort of you know, it adds to the pizza, I think, a little bit. Onions. I think onion Chicken adds, chicken and onion on a pizza. I think onions add so tier. much flavour to a pizza and it's essential. And number four, ooh I'm gonna go I don't know, I might get outed for this, but keba- I quite like kebab meat on a pizza,
0: I can't lie. That is that, yeah, that is an interesting it's out there, form. Some so it'd be American. nice. Yeah. I can add, depends what turns what kebab you get though because if it's from a boss man then it's like nice but if it's not then it's yeah it's boss nice, man for sure right <laughs> like would you have any of those on on their own or would they all
2: have to be chicken
0: and onion works
2: I wouldn't have onion on its own obviously I feel like onions sort of like adds to stuff I'd have chicken on its own but then so you you do need like vegetables with chicken like mushroom chicken goes got to throw veg, a mushroom
0: in there peppers as well mushroom is a on a pizza one who
2: prefers like the tomato sauce or barbecue sauce is a it- Ooh, I'd face. go, to, I'd go tomato, but I can, I can eat the barbecue ones. But I would just go Tomatoes, just and tomato. The traditional, mm. easily. And margarita is that an option for you? Or... It's an option, but I wouldn't. It's not the first choice. It's not the first choice. Probably in the top five. And then before the we move thing. on, the big question for
0: pizza: ham and pineapple? Yes or no? I can respect it for me, but. Mm, no, I, I Do it. you look down on someone if they eat it? I, no, I would not look I, down on I, someone. I agree with I don't
1: think it's that bad. I actually don't think it's that bad. I just don't see a point. I think it's like pointless, futile. Like, I want to touch I, it. <laughs> any <laughs> opportunity to quote Gavin and Stacey? <laughs> like, I, I'd. Yeah, I, I'd eat it. And, like, I'd probably like it, but it's just. There's so many other flavours. I
0: Yeah, eat. it's definitely not the first choice. Doesn't yeah. make a lot
2: of sense in my head. So I'm like fruitiness on the pizza. You <laughs> know what I mean?
0: Right, yeah. moving on. Talking about. You know who we're going to talk about. The Imps. The Imps. Playoff reaction from that 2 0 win against Sunderland? Absolutely buzzing, mate. Absolutely buzzing. I just
2: was not expecting to win at all because obviously Sunderland are a very strong side. We ended on the same points so as but their goal difference was like 10 more than ours. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of us were in particularly good form in the final five games. Like, I think we both got one win in the last five games, and obviously we lost our final game. Oh, well, that was Peterborough, wasn't it? That yeah. mad game, yeah. Yeah. Where oh, Don't get me started on that penalty, but yeah. Um, dive. It was a huge dive. Worst dive of the season, easily.
1: But I wasn't expecting to win. And At, least to At least you're not upset about At least you're not upset about that. not me. Nah, nah, moving on. Nah. Moving swiftly on. <laughs> oh, um, I was looking there, you, um early on in the season, you lost 4-0 to Sunderland. Yeah.
2: I I, and That's what I mean. We lost to them. And then we lost in the trade final yeah. as well.
0: So I just was not confident about beating them. They seem cursed. They ain't getting out of League One. Just <laughs> nah. since, that, since that Netflix documentary <laughs> yeah. dropped,
1: they're not getting out of the, the lower leagues. We well, saw you know, the, um, the season, um, two seasons ago, when they lost in the the EFL trophy mm-hmm. in the final like last minute lost in the uh, playoff final like last minute and it was just like just it's not to be like. they just seem a bit cursed it just seemed like they just seem like they're always going to be staying in League 1 yeah
2: definitely would you say one foot in the final yeah 100% 2-0 uh, obviously we've got to go back to their place now and they're going to have like 10k fans mm-hmm. but um, healthy score 2-0 like, and I, th- I think we've got it in us I, d- I really do like the way we played like second half we were a bit on the back foot. Well, if you've got one goal, they need three just to take yeah. it to extra time. Obviously, first half finished nil nil, but we we could have had two or three in that first half. There were some really good chances that we missed. But in the second half, our keeper made two or three like amazing saves. And obviously, our keeper got injured uh, two days before, and mm-hmm. we made an emergency loan signing of Bursik from uh, Stoke. But he was at Peterborough all season, and obviously got promoted with them. Oh, but now right. he's playing with us on emergency loan, and he made some amazing saves.
0: So obviously, like it seems quite likely that Blackpool are going through because of the, oh, yeah. the 3-0 win they had in the first leg. If you and Blackpool get to the final, would you be confident in in getting to the championship?
2: Blackpool are a very strong side, as you can see, beating um, Oxford 3-0. And Oxford were in good form as well. Mm. Um, and they're just a very strong side. So I... Got the mighty Ellis Sims up front. <laughs> yeah, but obviously I doubted Lincoln in the semi-finals and we've come out with a 2-0 win, so I don't know whether it's down again and then maybe my win, but...
0: Well, you said to me before that you thought Sunderland was the obstacle you had to get past. Well, yeah. Out of the three teams They've been the bogey team all season for us, so I just wasn't too confident. Would you say that
1: you're overachieving this season? No, I I don't think we're overachieving because we've been such a... The past five or six years, we've been on such a good run. Yeah, I'd be mad. I was looking like 2016, 2017, you won the league, the conference. Yeah. I was at that
2: game. Limbs (laughs) that.
1: Did think get promoted straight away
2: from League Two straight to League One got, as well? You got playoffs first, and then you got. I promoted. think it was playoffs, and then we lost in the playoffs, and then yeah. next season we then got promoted. So you got promoted twice in three seasons. Yeah, and you, you
1: only came 16th last year.
2: Yeah, we didn't do too well to be honest. But then obviously what the new you manager. Why have you had such an improvement then going on? New manager definitely. Think, left, new manager, he? yeah, and particularly see. There's only one player in our squad at the minute who was the like originally from the conference. Like we've dropped everyone else, but there still is one player who used to play in the conference with us. But they, when Appleton came in, because he was manager of West Brom under 21s, so he's had so many contacts and he brought in three or four players that were like youngsters but very good at West Brom. Bringing some abilities
0: to the squad. Well, at least because obviously quite a few teams do that, don't they? That when as they move up the pyramids, they kind of keep some of their players, and as you naturally like get higher up, you notice that they aren't good enough.
1: Well, Sheffield United. Well, I
0: mean, Sheffield United have had players they've had since League One, like Bournemouth did the same. Yeah. Um, Troy
1: Daniels and
0: the, that that you know, that's really what creates the problems as you move higher up because obviously the players can't adapt to the higher level Yeah, but I suppose if you're getting new players then that's predominantly the reason why you're doing yeah, so well it's been a lot of investment a lot of investment do you think if you, did, if you did hypothetically if you did get promoted to the championship would you be able to compete or would you do like what Wickham did I, I could see us going straight back down but I think we would definitely bottom half of the table I
2: think if we win in the championship because the quality is just so high compared to League 1 I think but yeah, I'm not too sure. I don't do you reckon it's really the ready. biggest step up that
0: League One to the Championship of, of the in the football pyramid? What do you reckon I Championship the Premier is big drama?
1: That's a really tough the Championship the Prem is tough. Like so many teams. Well, I mean, we've done it twice in the past ten years, gone up and down in, um, like straight away. Um, obviously Norwich have done it quite a bit. Well, you seen that if
0: if Bournemouth get through the playoffs, it would have been been the three teams that got yeah. relegated could be straight back up. Fulham, have,
1: Fulham have done up, down, up, down in yeah. the space of four seasons. Mm-hmm. Um. I I, yeah, I, don't know, I don't know if I, I, I'd say league won the championship necessarily I think they're all tough and a yeah. step up from many league is so tough step up from the National League to League two must be
0: big as well yeah that's moving away that's from everyone. semi-professional football to being on a full-time contract yeah I know some National League sides are paid professional wages yeah. there's more but, and more now but some of them aren't yeah and there's like there are regulations that don't apply to the National League that do apply to League two for example uh, artificial pitches, whereas in League Two you have to have grass pitches. Yeah. That that does seem like a big step up though because you enjoy and you play in like the Carabao Cup, you'd be in the first round yeah. of the FA Cup. You wouldn't have to go through the preliminary knockout rounds. Yeah. That does seem like quite a big jump, but mm.
1: I think it's yeah. I like get of league any league. I think it's just it's it's make it's like just that extra step of time. Just Do you get, get the like,
0: parachute payments if you go down from the Championship to League One? I'm not too sure because to in the in the Premier League to the champ that's the that's the problem with the Premier League and the Championship is that you get three years of parachute payments. Swansea is still getting theirs. Fulham will be able to reinvest theirs. That's why so many sides get relegated and just get promoted again yeah. because they have these parachute payments which allow them to keep the top players. And, oh, you're stupid. And also that the 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 football coverage of the Championship is a lot more than any of the other leagues apart mm. from the Premier League, obviously. So that's why they're able to keep going up and down. But I'm not sure if you get the parachute payments for I haven't heard leagues.
1: Of it. Um, one, one question I'm asked about Lincoln, uh, obviously, your Welsh player, Brennan Johnson, oh, yeah. on for Forest. You a big fan? <laughs>
2: yeah, I like him.
1: I like Obviously, scored, I think it was him who scored yesterday, yeah. where, where
2: lucky goal chasing down the keeper's uh, kick. But yeah, from far as what I've seen, he's been quality.
1: So he got got 10 goals this season? Yeah. And he's 20. Yeah, he's an attacking player. midfielder as well. Yeah. So, so, I mean, like, well, from what I've heard, he seems a good player. He scored. On his debut for the Un- Welsh in the 21s against like, oh, really? Belgium or something. Yeah, and it looks, looks like a decent player. I mean, he's, he's not from Wales, but um, we'll <laughs> take him.
2: Like. Um, Don't get me started on uh, George Grant. What a player he is. What position is he? He's sort of like a cam roll. Yeah. He got a team of the season in FIFA this year as well. Did it? Yeah. One of those um, community ones. But there was a point, I'm not sure where he is now because I haven't actually checked his stats, but about halfway through the season he was like joint top for goals and assists in like, the English leagues, mm. like creating chances. So he's just,
1: yeah, he's been outstanding this season. Yeah. And your manager, Michael Appleton, obviously he's been linked with a couple of those teams and um, who are coming down from the Prem, Sheffield United and yeah. West Brom. Are you a bit worried about that, about him leaving? Um, I could, I, Obviously, because he's got links to West Brom, it yeah. wouldn't
2: surprise me, to be honest, if he left for West Brom. But if we get promoted, there's, like, there's no way he's leaving.
0: Well, West Brom, obviously, today have just announced the... Um, resignation of Sam Allardyce because he doesn't want to go down and then possibly come back up so the favourite for the baggies job now is Chris Wilder just saw that this morning and to be honest I could totally see that happening he needs a job he's too good to not be sort of managing well I just think that um, Allardyce said that he doesn't want the West Brom job to be kind of a a longevity that he'd have to get them up back into the Premier League and then survive in the Premier League so he's decided to call it quits that while they're getting the West Brom job I could genuinely see that happening I just think it's that it, it does kind of suit his idea of football and what he'd want. And obviously, he's very, very good at getting teams yeah. up the football league. Yeah. So, that, that I think that could happen.
1: I mean, you did it with Sheffield United, got Yeah, right?
0: exactly. So, do you reckon we move on to the yeah. main talking point for this Definitely. podcast then? So, this week, we're focusing a little bit differently. and We're going to talk about violence in sport, obviously, several aspects. I think the first one we're going to talk about is just... The kind of obvious one to do with boxing and ufc mma etc the first question i want to say to you is quite simply do you think it should be allowed is it does it seem logistic logistically viable to have it as a sport when the predominantly idea is just to beat each other up
2: i do because so i think generally there's obviously now there's a lot more safety measures in place and i i think there probably should be more we'll probably talk about that later but i mm-hmm. think generally, as a sport, it is very technical. It's it's like an art almost, I think. And it's just entertaining to watch. And there's plenty of other sports that are dangerous with like higher mortality rates and things like that. So, I think it'd be hard to say you can just cut it completely. Well, it
0: said that the, the, the highest sports for mortality rates is mountaineering slash like biking, yeah. motorsport, so either Formula One or racing, and also horse racing, apparently, because of jockeys, obviously, possibly yeah. falling off the horse and then um, situations happening with that, it does over the course of a century though an average of 13 people die per year from boxing related injuries either in the ring or from complications whilst in hospital, which, that is still a lot though.
1: Well it's I, people dying as soon as it's one number. Yeah, yeah, but
0: an average of 13 per year, that's suggesting that over the course of a century, yes so like for example in the 1920s there was 233 deaths to do with the sport Whereas in the 2000s, so from the millennium to 2010, there was only
2: 103. Well, that's all about the safety protocols, I guess we're talking about. Yeah. Like now it's coming a lot more regulated.
0: But 103 divided by 10, that is an average of just over 10 deaths per year. So it is is—it is below the average of, obviously, going into the 19th century um, and the 20th century. But that is still 10 people dying per year yeah. in, a, in a job.
2: It's rough because, obviously, with all this uh, talk about because I know there's one of the famous cases was like Chris Eubank as well. Obviously mm-hmm. he didn't kill the guy but he put him in a coma, mm-hmm. paralyzed him, everything like that. So there's not necessarily death, there's also like life changing injuries.
1: That yeah. That's like, yeah, that's
0: yeah, if you're talking like, about casualties it'd be even higher. Yeah. What yeah. do you reckon?
1: Well and talking about the injuries, um apparently I like in several studies, between like fifteen and forty percent of X boxers been found to have symptoms of chronic brain injury. How many? F- uh, bet- well, it says between fifteen and forty percent, which is quite a big range. That is quite a big book. Um yeah, I think like it's not just the death, it's the life-changing injuries. But then again, you could look at football with heading. Obviously, they're, they're still kind of looking into that. There's not really a definite answer of how much of an impact it has. But yeah, like that, well, that's, that can that's, have massive impact dementia.
0: Well, they've thought about that with the concussion substitutions as well, haven't they? In terms of that they did that because they wanted to try and allow people to go off for a period of time. Or like if there's a head injury, you have to stop play. But that's a bit different though, isn't it? Because the the situation is obviously if you get like clatter someone's head you have a break for a prolonged period of time yeah. or like in rugby if you go in for a scrum and you're like the tight head you obviously have that pressure but then it stops whereas in boxing apart from the very short break in between each round yeah. the situation just carries on and on and on that you don't actually get any respite, whereas you're doing more of a team sport yeah it's tough because
2: with any high level sport uh... You're gonna have life-changing injuries if you're a professional. Just the relentless press. So, NFL, rugby, they all have uh, really bad brain damage when they're older. Uh, football as well. And then even if you just think about even like racket sports, like people's shoulders are changed for the rest of their lives after they play a racket sport just because of the relentless sort of like movements.
0: So well, there was um, there's always gonna be injuries. Wasn't there a, a cricket player reasonably recently? He was Australian. Australian. Phil Hughes, yeah. Yeah. What's his name? Sorry. Phil Hughes. Phil Hughes, yeah. I heard about yeah, the one who got killed. Yeah, yeah. From the from the cork in the back of the head. Yeah. So obviously, I'm not suggesting that like this is the only sport where it happens, but in those team sports, you are obviously able to either come off and someone comes on. But obviously, boxing is an individual sport. You
1: can't go off and someone fills yeah. your shoes if you're if you can't carry on, you lose. Yeah. But then going going back quickly to the deaths. Swimming's got like the, like the top fifteen. um an article. Swim swimming was third, like open water swimming, and I guess there's not as much around that about the danger and how dangerous it is but then we're talking about boxing with is that's 11th and yeah like like i said if there's any deaths in a sport it's not ideal It just need to be looked at yeah but there is other sports as well which are necessarily looked at that mm-hmm. are well factually more dangerous we're saying
0: 0.13 deaths per thousand which isn't a ridiculous amount but it's still something mm-hmm. but that's maybe also to do in, to be fair to boxing, the stereotype that obviously it is just a violent sport and people get into it as just a way to like beat each other up. But if we took it away and it was it was banned, isn't there just an argument that it would just go like underground? It definitely because so that already
2: happens, doesn't it? There's, so. like, there's
0: literally be fight clubs that people would just meet and just pummel each other. But then it becomes unregulated. Then it's
2: even more dangerous. Yeah,
0: that I I understand the argument to keep it. But I think there certainly needs to be something looked upon because clearly, as we've moved through the generations, the safety has improved and certain yeah. things are banned. But if there's still death happening now, clearly something still doesn't work. But I think if you know the risks, and you know
2: you're both willing to fight each other, you know all the rules. Everyone's properly trained. Referees are important as well. Like referees need to know when to stop it. Like standing uh, TKOs happen a lot more now. Mm-hmm. So they just want to stop like for the damage. safety of the yeah. player yeah so if you know the risks and you both agree to get in the ring I think if they're trained properly and all that stuff it's I, I think
1: it's fine personally Casey, you you're, you're not a fan you
0: I'm not, not ma- like yeah this. I'm not a massive fan I just i wouldn't I wouldn't i definitely wouldn't ban it because I know for a fact that if you banned it it would get worse yeah. because it would be unre like you said unregulated and it would also be kind of this element of it it like it's taboo so more mm-hmm. people would want to do it because obviously you can't do it but I just think I think if, if anything happens in sport where there's a danger to either yourself or the opposition or somebody else before you that then there has to be something that has to be looked at that there clearly is something wrong with the sport and other sports as well that there should never be a death at all obviously situations can happen but if people are dying during this sport or having brain damage or paralysis or whatever, then there is something fundamentally wrong with the sport.
1: What about um like F one? Because obviously that's like you can get crashes in that. I think now that's a lot safer than what it was back like fifty years ago when the cars they, have become a lot safer. Yeah. Yeah. But you still get the odd moment like Roman Grosjean. Recently I was watching a race and there was a crash.
0: Yeah, the, the 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 end of the day, the odd moment happens. Like yeah. no one, no one would have foreseen Fabrice Moamba passing out on no. the floor, or that that obviously About is. Recently. Yeah, that 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 it it happens. That sport, it's at the end of the day, it's contact or it's dangerous or it's high impact, whatever you want to call it. But I think if you've still got in the twenty first century. In a professional sport, an average of 10, 11 people dying per year consecutively, something has to be looked at. If it was one in seven years, that's a freak accident. But if it's every every year, 10 or 11 people are dying from it, that's a bit worrying. You need to draw the line somewhere, don't you? Yeah. You can't just keep letting it happen and happen when there's,
2: uh, you. if you can do something about it. What would you change? Oh, so that, that That's the yeah. big issue.
0: And I'm struggling to think of what you possibly could do because I can't, picture a world where you wouldn't have i understand why it's there as well though because obviously there is a massive argument that for people that boxing is like an escapism because obviously for, for for areas that are in a much poorer upbringing it's a really really good way a to learn to defend yourself and b to get you off the streets
2: discipline as well yeah they,
0: te- they really discipline. well Anthony Joshua said I didn't he that hasn't he got a criminal record and he said that's the reason that he didn't go into like things like knife crime yeah. because you obviously learn it's the same with that like, martial arts that you learn to respect the, the other person and you simply just defend yourself and that's why I'm all for it but if you've got grown adults going into a ring where they are genuinely en- endangering themselves something isn't right
1: surely they, like I think Berta mentioned earlier, like they know the risks, they know what they're putting themselves into. But why why does there have to be a fundamental risk in the first place?
0: What I'm saying is that it's a violent sport and people are going to get hurt, but it shouldn't ever get to the scale where someone quite literally cannot look after themselves because they are in a hospital or they are literally dead. That's my issue with boxing,
2: professional boxing. But then I do agree that something needs to be done to reduce these deaths. Potentially, to, to reduce the number of rounds, reduce the minutes in rounds, just to shorten the fight so it's not as long. So, well, I say it does go the distance you've not been pummeled for as long.
0: Well, in 1983, you. they changed it from being uh, 12 rounds to being 15 rounds after somebody died, yeah. which clearly made a difference. And it said that since that change, you've then got is it three minutes per round? So You've got so. a maximum of thirty six minutes of fighting. Where you'd compare that to forty five minutes. Nine minutes in boxing is quite a long yeah. time. So m- maybe twelve rounds is too many. I know a lot of fights do tend to go all twelve rounds, but is that possibly maybe you shorten it to ten? I don't know, or or do you make it two minutes per round? I'm not sure. I just think if it's still happening with thirty six minutes, then it possibly needs to be tweaked yeah. in that sense. Change the gloves as well. Make heavier gloves. Obviously
2: the sh- with UFC, we've got the smaller gloves. If you punch someone, it's going to hurt a lot more than if you punch someone with a big boxing glove. If you make the gloves bigger, then each
0: punch won't have as much impact. Why do you think that there's less issues in terms of trauma and in terms of fatalities in MMA slash UFC than there is with boxing?
2: There is quite a few regulations in MMA with like things to do with elbows, and there's a lot of jujitsu as well. So grappling, grappling doesn't usually result in like head injuries and things mm-hmm. like that. So maybe it's something to do with that, but it'd be it, it, hard to put my finger on it.
0: Is it more that is it than being better trained or is it just maybe just quite simply just a safer sport? I
2: don't, I don't think it'll be an issue of training. Cause like every athlete just trains so hard, boxing and MMA.
1: But um, yeah, it's a bit of a mystery. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you why, to be honest. Do you think with um boxing with that, the ref should be quicker to stop fights if it's like getting out of control or... Think they they judge you right at the moment. I don't. It's it's hard to say. I think generally they do a pretty good job, but it's hard to say
2: that because you know I've seen fights where people are getting absolutely battered, then all of a sudden they swing a wild overhand right, and then all of a sudden they've won the fight. Yeah. So it'd be it seems unfair to stop it if someone is getting a little bit sort of like outclassed because they can just sort of swing a wild hook, and that is sort of like the beauty of it. All yeah, quite. It's, like it's a, just one hit. Like can a do total sucker punch. Yeah, yeah. One hit
1: can do it. When well, I mean, you say um, Deontay Wilder, has was like a ridiculous yeah. punch. Madman him. Yeah. Do you think with, like, films, when they're showing films, like, with, with those violence and boxing, do you think that's helpful? Do you think they... Stuff which, like, is necessary? Because we're going to mention it later when we look at Hooganism, uh, obviously this big film, Green Street, on that. Yeah. and whether these films with violence are kind of encouraging this younger generation to come through. So all, all the boxing films I've seen, obviously you've got
2: all the um, Sylvester Stallone films like Rocky and stuff, and then um, Creed as well. See, when I watch those, I never really... I didn't think, like oh, yeah, I want to go and beat yeah. someone up now. It's the same with when they talk about violence in video games and how it affects children. Then, mm-hmm. obviously, they're not too sure on the data. So I'm not too sure if it would encourage violence or anything like that. Next time, I mean, I,
1: I love the Rocky and Creed films, I guess yeah. yes, you could get, like, the odd person who gets influenced. From what I gather, I don't see how they have a massive impact and the video games as well. I know a lot of like younger children play these like shooting video games, but I don't get the impression it has. Maybe there are some big key stats which show the influence, but I don't... I wouldn't say it necessarily influences
0: it. And also like with the Rocky and the Creed films, they are quite clearly, A, yeah. they're fictional, and B, just perfect example, you've got in the rocky four ivan drago who's about six foot seven fighting sylvester stallone who's about five foot eight five foot nine it's quite unrealistic but then you compare that to something like the film fight club when it is a it's dealing with someone who's got schizophrenia which obviously that's more important to the latter end of the film but in for the most part it's quite simply suggesting that this is so feasible you've got two people who have got no idea what to do with themselves, so they can quite easily set something up underground, which, like what we were saying to you before, that's where I think there's more worry because of how realistic it can get out of hand. Yeah. Not a matter of watching it and being upset by it or being influenced by it, more that if we don't put a lid on it, it can, quite, it can just explode really quickly. There's a lot of underground bare-knuckle
2: boxing. I'm pretty sure there's a documentary on Netflix that I watched one time and it was just sort of following this group of people that set up uh, bare-knuckle fights like all around the country. And like the damage, they the fights literally last 30 seconds just because, obviously... Breaking no each blows, other's jaw. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's where I think the worry is more than anything. It's it's the influence you're getting from a, a more like a kind of a realistic film rather than a quite like Hollywood kind of popcorn yeah. kind of movie. Yeah,
1: I agree, yeah.
0: Right, that's, that's a decent amount on boxing, to be honest. I think there's violence in sport generally... And obviously, we talked about referees in a previous um, podcast. But generationally, I think that players have grown up being more violent now than they were before. You reckon? I, I reckon so. From 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 what I've seen and at junior level, on the, yeah, on the pitch, though. Like. Not not at, what, are you more professional or like at more outstanding? I'd say at youth level, I think oh. more people have are, are genuinely more violent than they have yeah. been before. I think professionally, possibly less so. But I think at junior level and at youth level, yeah, I think they are.
1: I think it's, yeah, I guess, I don't see a massive, I think a lot of, with the refs, I mean, we mentioned before, like, uh, players are a lot more likely now to say stuff and chat back to the ref and, I guess, a lot more aggressive. I'm not sure if that's ma- massively the influence of what's seen on TV. Because, like I said, I think the, the players now are a lot like softer. You don't have, like, the Roy Keynes and the Vieira's, like, scrapping players left, right, and centre. You will have like Maguire and Stone kiss kissing after a match. Like it's like a, that. When we have a massive influence.
0: I think at youth level, I think it's a lot of talk. To be honest, it's like, well, how, like, it's just it's just aggressiveness just for no apparent reason. In, in my football
2: experience, I've never been in a fight on the pitch, and I've only ever seen one like proper scrap on a pitch. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is just a lot of people saying, "Oh yeah, I'll bottle you," or I'll "Yeah, do this I'll do or the that." Then they never actually do anything. So I think it does get very aggressive, but it's all talk most of the time. Yeah, From I my experience, it's a, lot, a
1: lot of talk. And I wouldn't necessarily say the refs wouldn't put that. In the violence category, because it's not violence, it's just you shout with the ref It's I, not.
0: I think I think that the the treatment though that they get or that they give to the opposition isn't helped though because if unless we stamp that out, it's just going to carry on and it does does seem like it's just going to go around in circles. Well, keep on. It's just gonna it's just gonna continue in the way it is and it's not it's not gonna get removed from the game. so How do you change it? We have to try and stamp it out from the youngest age possible.
1: Yeah, and obviously, the youngest ages will be the professional footballers in the future. And if it's that, yeah, exactly. In That's what I'm saying. There. Yeah, so I, well, I don't know how exactly you stamp it out. I guess parents is a big influence. Well, the parents for... are doing it, though. Yeah. A
2: lot of the time, parents, especially at lower level, you see it all the time when uh, you go to watch games. So my sister used to play a little bit. And so when she was like nine, I'd go to games with my dad to
1: watch them. And the parents are giving it all it's the violent. referees. Yes, yeah. so it's really bad. When well, obviously as a child, if you see a parent giving all you that. You learn from them. You, yeah. that, that, that's, that's your role model. Yeah, that's the example you look up to and they, they obviously tell you this, that and the other. And if they're... So you don't just like learn off what they say to you, they also, you also learn off their actions. And if they're like shouting at the ref, shouting at the parents watching, it's like, yeah, that's obviously what's going to lead on to the violence now. Um, And I think that's why parents are massive. Part of that massive aspect, And obviously, like the players you play with as well. That's a big influence because if all your best mates are going in or run into a fight, obviously you're gonna go with them. Like, train yeah. Like, then you think about the
2: treatment of rugby referees. Well, like you have to call him yeah. sir. Like any talk and you're in the
0: book. Like, well, you know how you said that you think that for the professional footballers, like you look at like the Maguire and the Stones thing and you compare that to obviously the rivalry that like Roy Keane had with Patrick Vieira and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Why do you think it's it's had such like a seismic shift? Why are footballers now got so chummy with one another when previously they just, je- I wouldn't say they hated each other because at the end of the day we don't know them, we don't know what they feel, but when they were on the pitch it very much seemed like they were there to play, they didn't want to deal with any of this nonsense. Why has it
1: changed so much? One day footballer, it seems like they don't want to be loved. Because you still I, get players who are scrappy. Yeah, I because I, I I find it annoying, I wish it was now what it was back with, like, we we need a tunnel before a match. Like you have the two like um sets of teams like shaking hands before even stepping onto the pitch. It's like mate, you're like do you think late. that's do you think that's also stems because a lot more players now play at international level play together. Yeah, yeah. Well, because um Gary Neville said that they weren't really back in the day for England. United and Liverpool players didn't really
0: speak. Gary Neville said um, in an interview that when England were there that the Everton and Liverpool players would sit together. The city United players would sit together. The London clubs would sit together and then people in the Midlands would sit. They didn't. That's why England he says didn't win anything because there was no unity. Yeah. So like Lampard and Gerrard wouldn't sit next to each other. Scholes would only sit with like Beckham or whatever. And Gary Neville that there wasn't that bond between the players. Whereas you look at it now like James Madison, Ben Chilwell, best mates despite being on the opposition or like oh, they were for the same team. Yeah, but they're not anymore though. I know I know that's hard to break that bond, mm-hmm. but why 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 are they so friendly with one another? They're all friendly
2: on social media as well. They're, yeah. they're always tweeting each other, making jokes, things like that. So I'm not sure if how social media would impact it, but it's obvious that there's a connection there where they're all chummy with each other on social mm-hmm. media. Well I remember
0: seeing um when was it? It was when England played Belgium at the World Cup in uh the first group game and it was Deli Ali, Harry Kane, Alderweireld and Vertonghen before the game, just like, just talking to each other yeah. on the pitch. And like, I kind of get it because obviously you see each other pretty much every day because you work at the same club. I speak but, after. But yeah, surely there's got to be that, not, obviously I know it was more violent, but there's got to be that form of just professionalism and getting your head in the game, whereas if you're just chatting to the opposition before we kick off.
2: Maybe that's just because... What it takes to be a professional has changed, and they can now put all that aside as soon as the whistle goes and then play. They don't need to sort of get riled up and thinking, you know, like Neil Warner you've got to dive three points or they yeah. sort of get into the opposition. Cause maybe it's this like tunnel vision that's yeah. just gone now. Maybe maybe it's something to do with that. And obviously the games a lot. I wouldn't. I, wouldn't want, I don't want to say less physical, but obviously with tackles and stuff. Oh, give me
1: strength with tackles and things like that. Um, Actually, you don't have to kill the opponent. Well, we'll just Speak I, your I, mind. I can't stand that players go down so easily. Yeah. It's, yeah, it riles me up so much. Like, you stay. In, so this in my, is the
0: aggression that you want in
1: sport. In my mind, you stay on your feet unless you can't stay on your feet. Like, if you can stay on your feet, you stay on your feet. You don't go down. You don't win a foul by cheating the ref. But then again, they don't. If they don't go down, they don't get decisions because the refs are stupid. And they don't. They don't like. Right. Because it's the control. ref's faults that. are both. They're like ref. if if all players stopped going down so easily, it'd stop. Yeah, they'd pick up on it. But because it's so ingrained in the in the game mm-hmm. now. That is pretty much impossible to get out. Right, so that's that's in the
0: fabric of the game then. So what what do you think of the phrase when someone says quote unquote he has bought a foul? It is that a thing? I remember they yeah. were talking about that, but At most uh, right. So if you buy a foul, you are basically suggesting that you have created contact in order to win a foul from the opposition. Right? How can you buy a foul then? If it's a foul, that means you've been impeded. So do you think that there should be, yes, it's a foul, but you've tried to convince the referee otherwise, so you get a yellow card for simulation then? Or is that not possible? Because that would iron it out if you were throwing out yellow cards left, right and centre. What, if it went down too easily? Yeah.
1: well, Because yeah, like, it's-, it's
0: simulation. Simulation <laughs> suggests that you have basically initiated something to deceive the referee in
1: some form of gamesmanship. That's a yellow card then. i say a definite version or definite example of buying fouls when you stick your leg out to like get you obviously as contact but you've literally just put your leg against you've instigated it, instigated it in, actually like, ended it, to it a few times for United um, but I'd, I'd also I, mean, gonna, I, I think a lot of them a lot of times when they, they get foul they are impeded but it's the fact they're on the floor rolling around the fact they go down straight away because uh, you carry on and obviously you might be able to carry on say you weren't running down the wind and you get clipped you might be able to carry on running down and you still have the ball but they go straight down and win the foul there. It's just... I think in general it just frustrates me when players are so soft. There um, are players
2: that do sort of like carry on though to be fair. like I think a lot of skillful players like a lot like Zaha and Balassi when he was uh, in his prime. Uh, yeah, like Blassie, they just, They'd just be the kicked legend. loads but
0: they'd just try and carry on every time. They'd just be getting kicks. But yeah, still Phil Foden. He, he's done it a bit. Phil yeah. Foden did it. Yeah, we, did it, we talked about it earlier when he did it yeah. against Southampton. Um, but I think then there's that argument though, isn't there that if other players are doing it why wouldn't you yeah exactly because it's you kind of it kind of blanketed over that if a certain person does it like i, I mean i i think back to the bruno fernandes one against um uh, aston villa where he stamped on Conser's leg and then did a pirouette but then because Conser swiped his leg it became a penalty he has created that contact by stamping on his leg but because he was in possession of the ball they didn't say it was a foul because he's basically just putting his foot down where he can so i kind of understand that but then What's Conza
1: gonna do? Just lift his legs in the air? Yeah. I do remember that one. I slightly disagree with the fact that um, I think it was a foul with Fernandez. Fernandez didn't really do anything wrong. It's just the ref gave penalties them, and yeah, it was just one of those. A Conza, it should be a, a foul on Conza. Right, it, was, but, it wasn't. It wasn't essay a dive. But I think I think he
0: he knew what he was doing though. I don't think he put his leg down just accidentally. He, he knows if he does that pirouette,
1: concert brings him down,
0: and like he wouldn't it. have done it. Hmm. Well, like so are very
1: smart with it. Yeah. You talk about like, isn't like if every other player does it, then you're obviously going to do it. I think honestly yes you nothing in football now. If like, you, you, you're honest and you stay in your feet, like likelihood is. But well, you get nothing from yeah. it. You don't get rewarded for doing that. Well, gigs so now went you? down. Like when we were on gigs, like hardly ever really went down and didn't win a penalty because of that. And yeah, like you're basically costing your team if you are honest and staying your feet. Well, what do you reckon? Has that
0: possibly happened? Maybe because of like influence from like foreign players? Because obviously there's that stereotype, isn't there, that like European football is is more intricate and like tick attacker, so it's less physical. So the fact that we're now the best league in the world, that we have more players coming from overseas. Does that maybe create that because they bring their footballing culture to your club? I think that's a very good point, and that
2: makes sense in my mind. Anyway, the fact that everyone just wants to sort of like play little passes, pass it around, sort of like intricate movements. So any sort of little touch you can sort of turn into a big one because you're already doing sort of little movements, dancing around anyway. It's because the pace that you're playing at it makes it seem worse as well,
0: especially at full speed as well. It's easy to make it
2: look realistic, I think.
0: Yeah, because my mate who played in
1: Spain said that players there.
0: Like adapt to the English game and they can't quite cope. But at the end of the day, I, I think we're moving to a time where we're not going to be like that. You look at the way Man City play, they do not play any differently to the likes of PSG, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. At the end of the day they play with a false nine. That's what Spain played with in 2010 when they yeah. won the World Cup. Yet they had Fernando Torres on the bench. A false nine is not a stereotypical English way of playing football, football Tuesday, which is why. Yeah. Well, you look at Burnley or West Brom, but you look at the way Man City play. They play teams off the park week in, week out. They outplayed PSG at their own game.
1: Mm.
0: It's
2: just unfair watching Man City play. It's just unfair. Like, I, no, no one can get anywhere near the ball when when
0: they play. But I think that's that's that stems very much from the kind of European ideology of football, which obviously Guardiola does bring, and I think. There isn't really many many managers left that have got that because a lot of them now are more focusing on defending than they are going forward.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, say Guardioli's from the European leagues. Exactly, guys. exactly. Yeah,
0: he he made his name yeah. by both playing for Barcelona and, and then managing them.
1: Yeah, I think staying on the well, staying in football, but going back to the more of the violence part. Mm-hmm. Um, gonna look a bit at hooliganism, and j- just before we did this, I looked at the Oxford definition of hooliganism, and I was that he reckons they struggle in the in the Prem. Because the physicality so oh, is just not Oh, here.
0: definitely. I mean, I remember... Well, I mean, Anhel Di Maria really struggled when he was at Manchester yeah. United, didn't he? Um, that, and they always say, don't they, that when they sign someone overseas, they have to...
1: A bit... I disagreed with it just a bit. I think it's quite a... Yes, yeah, it's got a bit of a stigma in it around the youngsters. Um, The definition is violent or rowdy behaviour by young troublemakers, typically in the gang. And that's the official definition. Yeah. And I think... I just think that's so unfair, I don't, yeah.
0: hooliganism A, isn't only youths, that's that's a fact I mean you literally see hooligans who are 40, 50, 60 and the fact that it's in a, well, also what you define as a gang Yeah. I mean, I think also hooliganism quite clearly was at its peak around the 1980s and then very early 90s and you look at the situations like obviously the Hillsborough disaster and how, like Heisel as well that focusing on the Liverpool perspective, that that's when it got out of hand, and then obviously the tragedy that happened in nineteen eighty nine. They've tried to facilitate that and make it a lot calmer around the stadium because like little things now, like you can't take a bottle cap into a stadium. Yeah. If you're gonna take a drink, it either has to be a closed can or you have to have the lid off. You they check you for coins. They check you for this, that, or the other. That hooliganism is always going to exist because you're always going to get passionate fans. You look at the United protests, but. It's such a small minority in football now that it is getting it is getting basically removed from the game. You get passionate fans, but then I think, especially
2: when you watch things like Green Street, there is sort of like what you could call gangs, as yeah. in like it's the ultras of their club. Yeah, the, um, yeah, the massive the, or whatever. They, they go to the it. game, yeah, they have a few pints, they enjoy watching the game, but the main reason they're there is to sort of like assert dominance over the other rival game. Yeah, I'm tougher than you sort yeah. of thing. So I think the gang bit of that definition, I think, is true. Mm. If you class the ultra groups of
1: it... But it, it is a lot, lot less now. Like, it's a lot less Oh, yeah, dominant. 100%. Um, but I do think there's a massive like stigma around football fans in general that they're just all violent, all aggressive. And, like, it annoys me because, yeah, like you say, it's a small minority and there's so much like security at games now. Um, well, there's that stereotype,
0: isn't there, that old saying that uh, football is a gentleman's game played by hooligans and rugby sure. is a hooligans game played by gentlemen which i mean i'm not particularly sure that's true i mean maybe it was a bit general it's bit a of generalisation, massive generalization it's not like all rugby players are saints as well like let's say a lot of it like five of
1: school. Like, so.
0: well it's it, yeah but i just think as well like with football that there's every football fan deep down knows that a, a slight fan following that's passionate makes the game because you know that like like looking at yesterday how how all of the players said they enjoyed it when fans were there, but there's a big difference between a passionate fan and being very invested in the game and then being a hooligan.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like like I said, like like passion's massive in football. Oh, like totally. It's, maybe it's because it's more of a working class sport that yeah, it's targeted more. Yeah, I just think I just well, well
0: yeah. fans become the twelfth man, don't they? Yeah, yeah. The, you you, you notice that at any any level of football anywhere up and down the country abroad, international tournaments, you name it, fans make the game. Mm. And I just think that definition of hooliganism is
1: just a little bit unfair. Yeah. And I'm not saying that like I think hooliganism is a good thing, no, but I just, I just don't no. think it's as big of a problem as it, it's made out to be a lot of the time.
0: But uh, that's, that's, that's also stemmed from the media, though. That, like... Yeah. You see, what like what um, Carragher said after the United protests that there's always going to be one or two people that spoil it for everybody. Yeah. But then they focus on that because that that's that sells papers, that goes online, that's been retweeted or whatever, however you want to describe it. That makes news saying we had peaceful protests and 99.9 percent all respected the rules. No one did anything to the police officers or anything. Who would read that? That's boring. No, You've got some one person who sets a flare off oh that actually you get a good photo you sell it on the
1: internet or whatever that's why they're doing it I think yeah because well, it, it becomes well, more that's, interesting I think that's, that's a fact Like, is in yeah. that the media use it to just gain more readers and that um, but it's clickbait isn't it yeah so they just say "Oh, protest in Manchester um, against the owners and you just describe the protest there's nothing if they say Protest turned ugly. Yeah, with like, fans. or if the image so, they
0: choose is two hundred Manchester United fans walking down Old Trafford on the main road by Busby Way, and they're just simply holding their flags and chanting what they believe in, or they show you one person on the top of a bus smashing the window. Yeah, see so a policeman like getting treatment after. Yeah, so that's that's where the interest comes in because people are more fascinated of the extreme. That's that's apparent in like like we said with video games, with movies. Well, more people go to 15 and 18 rated films now than they did previously because they've established this 12A certificate rating. So less people go to that because now you can do more in later cinema because it becomes a little bit more interesting because you can get away with more. Because when it was a 12, you could get away with more because it's now 12A, you can't. And I think that's the same with the media that why would you ever publish something that's PG rated? when you know that if you if you make it more interesting and more enticing, more people are going to listen to it or watch it or click it or whatever, that that just that just is a fact. And then it's just back back down to money again. Of course it is. always is. Yeah. The, uh, I, I, the, the fact that we are monopolising hooliganism just epitomises why football is in such a dire situation yeah. at the moment.
1: Yeah, I think, well, you talk about the media, you talk about, I mean, we're hoping to talk about it next week, but the racism, like, in, yeah. they fuel that with, for example, here's one example where... A black player for City. Tosin a yo yo, it was. Yeah. Bought a house. Bought, and then Foden did the same thing. Foden is more of like a descriptive thing. It was with yo-yo It was like a criticism. It was a criticism without playing the game. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's all for views, and I just, yeah, I guess it's... certain adjectives they use
2: as well that yeah. have just different connotations that they use for different uh, players. Oh yeah, black God, it's black.
0: it's that. Yeah, I'm not going to open up that debate because that's going to take us too long. But yeah. you can definitely tell in that situation that they're selective in what they want you to hear 100%. that you you know what they want you to listen to because they have a clear agenda
1: yeah i think we've um touched on it already but but would you say it's like a generation issue with violence at all or would you say it's slightly out our our generations bringing in this violence or like like is in with hooliganism like we touched on it like yeah I, th-
2: I think it'd be hard to say it's a generational thing i think obviously as david said earlier with the 80s and 90s that was sort of the prime time and it's just been in decline ever since and we haven't we don't see as much of it anymore and even when you look at the stories and to be fair when i've been on like um away days to grimsby which is obviously like big derby day there's just police absolutely everywhere mm-hmm. so i don't think i don't think anything happened on arrival day just because the uh, the amount of money that and police time that's used to try and stop this hooliganism which i think it is working
0: is a uh, well i was deadly. telling you that um around the city center and by the train station, you know, after it was the championship final day and obviously Wednesday were playing at home, you should have seen the scale of police officers. They had by the train station round by the peace gardens. It was honestly, it was just filled with coppers because they knew that had they lost obviously which they did, they're getting relegated that they're now more proactive on it rather than reactive that they're trying to stamp it out before it's even begun, which to be fair, that is a very good step forward. That, mm. I mean I just witnessed that and I was like that makes a lot of sense why they would do that because it's becoming a more of a family thing as well isn't it It's but you I mean you look at like, it's like some of the clubs now with like the fan bases and like the ticket sales and I mean I went to an England game and there was people doing it was a qualifier against Bulgaria and people doing the Mexican wave like <laughs> imagine doing that in the 1980s or yeah. I'm thinking like Upton Park or Mil- That's the like den at Millwall you'd get your head kicked in People doing the Mexican wave when we were 2-0 up was like, I want to watch Harry Kane. That football is becoming a more sanitised sport, I think. Is that just England fans though? Um, let's pretend that's real. Um, no, I think I think the fact that our, our stadiums, obviously, it's just massive. Yeah. that For certain games, it, it kind of is hard to f- put bums on seats. So you do get the odd tourist or the person that lives Loki that just thinks, oh, it's kind of exciting to watch England. But they're not truly
1: invested in it. But the um yeah, um you mentioned Derby rivalries earlier, like uh, like there's all these bubble trips now. Right? like there's so much like security around mm. like Cardiff Swansea made make sure the game's like twelve o'clock, midday and during the bus, literally police all around. I haven't been on one but like isn't literally police all around, you can't really do much. I like, think they are stamping out more. Um and I think everything there's a lot more security, a lot more um safety, like even going back to right, like at the beginning we were talking about boxing and that, ev- everything now like, is, there's a lot more security, a lot more safety um which is possibly why there is less now, I think it's getting stamped down more because mm-hmm. you go back to 70s, 80s, 90s, violence was a lot more prominent I'd say mm-hmm.
0: I think it was more ingrained in the idea of football as well, that you kind of wanted a cult following, you wanted a kind of violent group because that's just how football was you think like the players were like Dennis Wise, Vinnie Jones, Martin Keown, like those players, those players made a career. Yeah, they were, they were good, but more because of how physical and how domineering they were on the pitch. Nowadays, you don't get stuff like that. I no. mean, he's like, there's still physicality, but not to that extent. You see, you got to die to win three points then. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, that, that, that'll, that's just not
1: the way football's going anymore, is it? Like, um... Yeah, you got to hug and kiss to win three points. Yeah. Then. Like, should... It's like before the games in like tournaments, it's like they're going to a wedding, like... And she's about to, about to play right. again. Okay, you're not a fan. You want yeah. it back to the way it was. Yeah, I do. Like, obviously, yeah, I'm not saying like I want everyone to have a scrap every game. Um, good. Then, like, <laughs> well, it'd be good. Now, like, just just come to mind though. Um, ice hockey is one where Oh yeah. But um, with, with violence. Um, yeah, if you have, have rest, a fight, they the can't allow it. They're yeah, allowed you, to fight, until a
0: person until a person hits the ice, they can't actually break up the fight. Oh really? Yeah. And like, would you say that's just a bit nuts? No, that, that, that is mental. That's, fair. that's crazy. I like, surely that's just. I mean, everything we just. That's be worse. That's about, right? worse than boxing. Also, for the fact that they have like skates that have got like a seven inch blade <laughs> on it.
1: <laughs> why? Well, why do you think that's loud? That? Well, I think
0: it's also a matter of fact that they don't. The, the, the referees have said, because from what I saw on the internet, that they can't break it up because they don't want to get involved. That they have to wait for it to be over.
2: Well, that's that's they doing in rugby as well. Yeah. When there's a scuffle, the referee just stands back and, and just wait. let yeah. And, Deal with it because they never really fight that much. To be mm. fair, it's usually just pushing and shoving in rugby. Yeah.
0: Well, before we finish up, we always do our weekend predictions. I think some big ones coming up. Yeah, some decent ones. Um Focusing on the Premier League first of all. Quickly, top four. Liverpool win against Crystal Palace. They've got top four. If
1: unless Leicester win five goals,
0: unless right? Leicester batter Spurs. Yeah. <laughs> Aston Villa against Chelsea. Again, Chelsea have to basically better. Leicester's result or equal yeah. it who do you think will get top four do you think Liverpool can be Crystal Palace or? I think the top four will be what, the, what it is now I think. you think it's decided yeah I think it's decided so you think Leicester are going to miss out for a second season
2: I'd be very surprised if they managed to jump uh, above Liverpool to be honest well, I think
1: he's games, Spurs as well because Spurs could just hold on for a 0-0 like in the past week um, Liverpool the West Brom game obviously with Addison that crazy finish that was massive mm-hmm. beating United away probably wasn't expected before the game that's huge West um, Ham
0: need a point for Europa League and they've got Southampton. so I think, you think that's decided.
1: Better Spurs as result to uh, get Conference League. Yeah,
0: Huge. I mean City away. Like I mean, to be fair, on the last podcast, I said we were going to lose to Wolves because I knew if I got the wrong result, it'd actually turn up that we won. Yeah, and I said we'd lose and we beat them one nil. So we're going to get beat two nil by City, which means we're going to win two nil. Well no? Because you just said you're going to win. So I mean, <laughs> reverse psychology. Conference League can't wait to play in that
1: is that? San Marino, San Marino's champions. Like, I don't even know, mate. Ukraine's I think there's, like, there's,
0: there's, there's a Welsh team in it. Probably and, like, like Dun as well from Ireland, are in it as well. Huge, like, mate. Wales watch games. Like. Great! Like, can't can't wait to be playing in that.
1: Like <laughs> it's Cardiff Met And then,
0: has you got any any other big ones? We've got.
1: Um, not really. Uh, Wolves United you know, should be a decent game. Yeah, not. Um, Chef. She- Chef and I got Burnie last game. Hopefully, hopefully they finish. Mike Blaze finish Brexit with a win. Yeah,
0: another defeat again yesterday.
1: Um, I guess. Looking briefly, the championship as well, on Saturday, second legs. Oh, really? Who would you fancy? Bournemouth won the lap, Swansea won the lap. I'd back Bournemouth. Bournemouth against Brentford. Won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brentford the bottle jobs. They always bottle it. I've seen them get to the final and then bottling it, because like, that's what they did last year. I hope it's from that semi that whoever goes up. Do I you know.
0: think Swansea will go through
1: now? Should you? How do you Hopefully feel about you that? <laughs> get mentioned on every single though, did not Hopefully they part it in the final. But, um... I mean, Barnsley might Decent lead for prize, decently for Bournemouth, decently for Bournemouth yeah. though as well. But I think, I think Barnsley have reached their peak of the season. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, they've done, yeah, it, it does seem like a step too far. Yeah, they're incredible by, by their standards, but it's just, I think it's a step too far now.
0: Yeah, I I, I do think I I, I kind of wished he had a little bit more in them, but from what I saw in the Swansea game, it just seemed like Swansea just had that just experience and just know how in the yeah. game. First
1: goal, Ben for Bournemouth, huge. Yeah, whoever gets that, I think. Definitely. Well, yeah, I think if Bournemouth can if Bournemouth score first, they're through. Brentford score first, it's back at the balance, and it's an open game, isn't it? Yeah, I I can see Swansea winning like three one second leg, isn't it? I think mean, I'd be fair. I, I would be quite quite excited
0: for Swansea to get into the final. Just, like, just to see your reaction. <laughs> <laughs> see me like in bits on the final day, like yeah, that'd be brilliant, <laughs> wouldn't it?
1: They get into the Premier League, like they'll, they'll go straight back down, so. And we will we'll go up next year, so... We'll, right, we'll, we'll
0: right. if you're saying Cardiff are getting promoted, then the podcast is being ended. Well, next year? No, this this episode, mate, if you're saying... It was in,
1: like... You think they'll get promoted next year? Probably not, no, but fans no, yeah. depends, depends on the <laughs> summer, <laughs> really. I know, I was going to say, like... I think the summer, like, if we get some decent signings, he's already made a signing, James Collins from Luton, Luton Mighty Luton. Wow. <laughs> get a five-hour up top. <laughs> <d'Or for> 2022.
0: <laughs> Him and Kiefer Moore up top. What, the guy born in Torquay? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you know yeah, I've said I that did, about 10 times in the past. Dan so James, born in Hull as well.
1: It. Yeah, but Dan James' his dad is Welsh. So he's still English, though. He's half Welsh. He's still English. But I've said to you as well, if my, my son in the future, if I say I don't marry an English woman and live in England, <laughs> he's right one first. Joke. Oh yeah, I think that's a good way to finish. Yeah, that's yeah. a brilliant Well, not, way to not a good way to finish, but good, <laughs> you, you said, good, said it, 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 it. it. A good time to finish. <laughs> you said it, not me. There we are. Cheers, bit of luck. Yeah, cheers, for yeah, on. cheers mate. Thanks Pleasure, mate. Yeah, see you next episode.